Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the Morning Sports Briefing here on the Monday, the 29th of June. Happy Monday, everybody. Let's have a great week. Um, in the news this week, Cronella Sharks break duck. Um, Joe Root reminds his batsmen to be on guard. Um, reports claims global season is dead in the water. Uh, and we have results, results and more results from uh, basketball, netball and motorsport um, from the weekend. So this is your best way to start the day up to date with all of the important sports news. And let's get into it with that football news. And uh, over in the EPL, Watford um, have lost to Southampton 1-3 um, in the end. Uh, in the FA Cup, Sheffield United lost to Arsenal. So Arsenal joined Man United, who go through, as do Chelsea, who beat Leicester City 0-1. The fight uh, in... in um, we also have live at the moment Newcastle United versus Man City and currently Man City at 0-1 up in that one with um, 60 minutes gone. So half an hour left to go in that one. We'll bring you that result uh, obviously tomorrow as it will be still going as we're still uh, chatting today. Over in the Belarusian Premier League um, and Torpedoes uh, continue their good form with a win over Verbitsk 1-0. Well, actually, sorry, they ended up in a bad form, should I say, having had two draws and a, and a loss in the last three games. Um, to, um, and Ruhr Brest um, beats Belashina 3-0. Ongoing at the moment is Gorodea versus Ishlok. Um, and Gorodea are currently losing 0-2 with, um, into extra time. So not looking good there for Stephen Harris's team. Um, unfortunately, Stephen still plummeting down the table. Um, but uh, I think we all pretty much had a bad weekend with uh, Dynamo Brest also losing um, and uh, also my team as well. So, uh, so yes, a bad, a bad weekend for the morning sports uh, briefing, boys, in the old football. Um, and uh, with that, I'll hand you over to Arshan, who will take us through our cricket update. Uh, no cricket update today. I'm too disappointed with Dynamo Brest losing. 
So, <laughs> but uh, thank you, Paul, and uh, good morning to all our viewers and our listeners out there on the interweb. And as we look to some actual cricket starting shortly, we're not too far away. 8th of July, it's about just over a week now, just over a week. Root is Joe Root is reminding his batsmen not to underestimate the formidable bowling attack from the West Indies. With the West Indies banking on their pace attack to defend the Wisden Trophy they claimed in the series in 2019-2-1. Root has said that the English batsmen could not afford to lower their guard against an attack that features the likes of Jason Holder, Kemar Roach and Shannon Gabriel, the trio all within the top 20 of the ICC bowling rankings. Holder is at 3 in the rankings with Roach at 11 and Gabriel at 19. In comparison, England have their own in the top 20 with Anderson at 8 and Broad at 13 within that top 20. Now, news from that English bowling camp is Broad and Anderson facing increased competition for those test bowling spots. With the return of injury of Jofra Archer, England have great options within their fast bowling stocks. Adding to Archer, there is also Mark Wood and Ollie Stone. Now, all three bowlers are genuine fast bowlers where their stock deliveries are over 140 kilometres kilometers an hour or kilometers an hour this gives the english great options with their fast fast medium swim seam bowling attack as well as their swing bowlings attack now i'll just come down to the conditions on the day at the toss of the pit at the toss they make on the uh, at the pitch as to what the bowling makeup will be for the first test now doesn't matter who makes it to the first test, England are looking to rotate their players to make sure that they spread their workload across their bowling um, lineup. Now, concerns are also mounting in the over BBL crowd numbers in Australia. Fan favourite Brad Hogg has urged the organisers of the BBL to get back to basics after crowd numbers have dropped alarmingly in the last two seasons. From a high of 80,000 people at a BBL fixture in 2015-16, last season's quarterfinal between the two table-topping sides was played in front of just 13,000 fans at the same venue. Many complained that the competition just got on too long. It's just like it's gone from, get this, from 35 matches in the 2016-17 season to 61 now in the last two seasons. And what that means is the final series now runs into February when the school year has already started. And that's a major impact into when you can go out for a late night to watch a bit of T20 cricket. Well, that today, Paul, is our cricket news. Thank you very much, Arswin. Um, and uh, we'll hand you over to Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> interesting, interesting start to the interesting start to the morning. A very early morning visitor popped up at the door, but hey, listen, we are back in the hot seat here, so and we'll calm ourselves and get back into things. And speaking of calm ourselves, it's the start of a new new week. So good morning to uh, New Zealand uh, Sports Radio, and we'll start with our birthdays. In uh, birthdays this morning, a New Zealand pivot who has carved out an impressive career in the Gallagher Premiership, the Samoan board prop, and finally a world record holder in the men's to Cox Pier rowing, and that's where we start this morning. Caleb Shepard, born this day, the 29th of June 1993, as a New Zealand rowing Cox, he holds the world's best time in the men's to Cox Pier, that was in 2014, and represented at the Rio Olympics in the New Zealand 8. He also coxed the New Zealand women's eight to their 2019 World Championship 
title. So there you go. He's moved between both our men and our women. Moving on. Hisa Sasagi, born this day, the 29th of June, 1987. This is Samoan, a rugby union player who currently plays as a prop for Otago in the ITM Cup. But I suspect that's the Maritime Cup these days. Despite deputising for the Razorbacks in 2012, it was not until 2015 when he finally established himself as a regular starter. His performances in helping Otago reach the championship semi-finals saw him named as a member of the Hurricanes wider training group ahead of the 2016 Super Rugby season. And finally, James or Jimmy Gopeth, born this day, the 29th of June, 1983, is a New Zealand rugby union player who plays for Wasps in the English Premiership. His position is fly half. Gopeth also represented both Wellington and North Harbour at provincial level and the Hurricanes and Blues at a super rugby level. Gopeth has never played for his national team, the All Blacks, but has made two appearances for the second string team, the Junior All Blacks. His appearances were during the Pacific Nations Cup, which the Junior All Blacks won both tests versus Samoa and Tonga. That'd be a while ago as well, I would imagine. Now, Jimmy Gopeth, Paul, was he very close to the England rugby team at some stage? Well, he certainly made it to being Premiership Player of the Season um, at one stage. So, yes, you've got to say he would have been uh, within... They would have been aware of him, definitely. Um, mm. And he'd be, be on, on the fringes there. I think he's probably someone a bit like um, Gareth Steenson, who was an Irish player who played in England, who uh, was, was kind of on the edge, but probably made it clear that it wasn't really his... Um, the, the basic, yeah, he was Irish. I think probably Gobbleth went probably similarly down that kind of route, making it clear that he was mm. he didn't actually want to play for um, England. I think it's where he went. So, um, yeah, good good career heading over to to uh, Ireland as well as England, and uh, yeah, definitely made a, a big mark for himself up there in um, uh, in you know, in the Northern Hemisphere. Moving on then to our rugby news, um, and um, the uh, reports claim that. Uh, the global season is dead in the water. What uh, people were expecting or hoping to happen would be that um, the European club season would move through from December through to uh, July. Well, that would be our club season. The Six Nations would overlap with that. Um, and then the we would have um, tours down under um, in October uh, and back up north in November um, was kind of, or international tours, was kind of the plan Um um, but uh, top four, the French top 14 clubs say that uh, uh, moving to a summer rugby would um, be, uh, well, basically financially uh, d- um, disastrous for them. Uh, and so hence they are saying no. Um, apparently, they were also upset with um, some of Mark Robinson's comments about uh, club obstruction in the process when the clubs hadn't been involved in the process until basically the last minute. So, yes, uh, we'll have to wait and see how much of that is rumour and how much of that is true. Um, it always looked like it would be difficult to get this through, as much as people said, oh, we're starting with a blank slate and all of that kind of thing. Also, um, a, a important win for the Crusaders yesterday, who beat the Chiefs 18-13. When it was 18-3, it looked like it was all over. Um, soon after half time, but the Crusaders showed real grit to get themselves back into the game. They were their own worst enemies, 
um, with the Crusaders picking up both their tries from mistakes by the Chiefs, falling asleep um, at a line-out um, and then also uh, not collecting a high kick. Um, there were comments after the game around the refereeing, but folks, please, 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 look, um, it may or may not have been the right call, but at the end of the day, referees make mistakes just like players make mistakes too. Um, and you've got to say um, that we should be uh, enjoying the rugby and let's concentrate on the positives rather than the negatives. Um, moving on then, I'm going to hand you back to Stephen who will take us through our NRL update. Yeah, thanks uh, very much, uh, Paul. Well, closing out around seven, Cronulla have overturned one of the biggest hoodoos in the NRL, scoring a thumping 40-22 win over Manly in Gosford. It was just the third time in 12 years the Sharks tasted victory over the bogey team, but looked the class above in miserable conditions yesterday afternoon at Central Coast Stadium. And while the Sea Eagles were without stars Dylan Walker and Tom Trovek, their defence didn't shape up against the shark spine, which had found its groove. Sean Johnson, Matt Moylan and Chad Townsend all stepped up, set up tries, beg your pardon, in the first half to lead 18-6 at the break. And uh, between them had a hand in all seven of the Sharks' four-pointers. Townsend had the best of them in the 54th minute with a miraculous catch and pass while falling, setting flying winger Sione Katoa up for his second try of the match. Katoa's put down while in the air was inch perfect, demonstrating the skills which had landed him eight tries from seven games this season. And while Townsend set up three tries, Johnson extended his lead for the most trisis in the NRL this season to 10 with two for the night. Wasn't much long, wasn't too long ago he was being maligned about the way he was playing. The Sea Eagles had won 17 of the 18, 17 of their 19 past games against the Cronulla, dating back to 2008 for the equal best winning record of any NRL team against an opponent. However, nothing went right for this Hesler's side, who struggled to find potency and attack without their star fullback, Tom Trovic, unavailable. The Sharks led 18-6 at halftime, and that final score again, we had Cronulla 40, Manly 22, which just left us the one game in the round, and in that final game, the West Tigers put together their third win in a row, toppling Canterbury-Bankstown at Bankway Stadium, 34-6, after leading 16-6 at halftime in what was arguably their best performance of the season. David Nofaluma and Tony Talau shone with two tries each. So that final score again, 34-6, and that wraps it all up. And Paul, I think you have the NRL table there for us that we can have a quick uh, quick squiz at. If we can get you to pop that up, please. Coming to us very, very shortly, and there's our table. As we look at it, not a lot of change at the top. The Eels still out in front. Remembering seven rounds gone there with 12 points. Panthers just behind them with the Raiders. Storm, Knights, West Tigers, Raiders and the Sea Eagles, despite the loss, just slipping in to that eighth place. And as we look down for the beleaguered Warriors, sitting down there in 14th place. But I'll tell you what, true, that with this particular table, it's oh so close. You only really need to string together a couple of wins and you're almost uh, back in that top eight. Although I've got to say for... For the Warriors, it could be a tough ask. And that's pretty much round seven all wrapped up for the weekend. I'll be back shortly, though.
with some UFC news, Paul. There is, I say, yeah, but I, you're saying that um, in some ways looking at gold if, or the gold if, or points difference is a better guide as to who are the top teams and who are the not so top teams. Um, mm. We look at like the Roosters with 132 point um, points difference, clearly stand out there, even though they're not top of the table. They are, I think, a lot of us, a lot, a lot of people considering them to be the top or uh, the team, the, the team sort of to beat. Um, and then when you get yeah further down there, when you think that yes, the Warriors and Broncos on minus 103 and minus 117 will show you that there's yeah shipping too many points um, and yeah. see yeah. how they're going to sort of turn that around. Well, that's a good word, Paul, because shipping they're they're kind of leaking points, aren't they? The ship the ship basically is taking on water big time, and it's going to take something extra special to to patch it all up. Just looking at that table again. You can see why the uh, Roosters are the reigning premiers looking for, looking to do it uh, for the third time because they've scored 201 points and their against record is only 69 points. If that's uh, correct, that's that's pretty incredible after seven games, Paul. Um, my maths is not that good at this time of the morning, but I think that might work out to about just under under um, 10 points a game. Is that that correct? So yeah, so just under ten points a game given up. I mean, but basically, when you've got the when you've given when you've scored more points than anybody else, and when you've given up less points than everyone else, you're going to be very good. Um, <laughs> so, moving on then um, to uh, netball news, uh, and overnight, or sorry, or last yesterday, yes, last evening, um, the stars um, lost to the steel 47-49. Um, a close one there. So the Steel, having played two games in two days, come up with their first win of the season. So congratulations to the Southern Steel. All the teams now have won at least one game um, with the Northern Mystics. Played 3-1-3, top of the table, being chased, chased closely by the Central Pulse, who won two, played 2-1-2 two, two, um, there in that one. This evening, the Pulse will have a chance to catch up with the um, Mystics when they go head-to-head -to -head tonight. So, yes, top-of-the-table clash, Pulse versus the Mystics from 7pm this evening up there at the Auckland Netball Centre. So, um, if there are any tickets left, that will be a cracker. Get along to that game in um, St. John's. Um, also, uh, moving on then to um, basketball news. Uh, and the uh, Franklin Bulls played the Auckland Huskies Battle of Auckland for the first time ever. Um, the Huskies, coming off the back of a 67-95 loss the day before, lost again to the Franklin Bulls, and it's from 63-59, a really low-scoring affair, uh, which probably tells you why uh, these two teams had come into this game um, with zero wins, because they're just not putting the scores on the that are not shooting um, again, uh, their shooting percentages are just way too low. Um, the Nelson Giants also played last night playing the Manawa Two Jets. The Manawa Two, um, two Jets again, they were also coming off um, playing the nights before where they'd beaten the Auckland Huskies. Um, the Giants came into this one without any wins. The Jets coming off the back of their first win of the season, but it was the Giants that won it 88 83 um, in full time. Uh, the uh, next games will be tonight, where we have the uh, Taranaki Mountaineers taking on the Auckland Huskies. 
That'll be the third game in three days for the Huskies. Um, and then the Giants having to back up against the Franklin Bulls. So both sides who played yesterday having again to play today. Looking at their table. Um, and uh, yes, the Auckland Huskies and the Nelson Giants both will be looking for their first... Oh no, sorry, that's an out-of-date table there. Sorry, folks, because obviously the Giants, as I said, got their first win of the season. Um, the Auckland Huskies will be looking for their first win tonight. But uh, at the top of the table, we have the Canterbury Rams with three wins from three games, closely followed by the Otago Nuggets with two wins from two games. Uh, and then it's Taranaki Mountaineers chasing them with uh, two wins and that one loss. So that's your top three there. Yeah, hand you back to Stephen now. He's going to take sorry UFC news. Yeah, thank you, Paul. And uh, it was a incredible fight. In fact, a lot of people tweeting yesterday saying it's probably one of the best uh, fights of the year. And we've already seen a couple of beauties. Dustin Poirier won a thrilling unanimous decision over New Zealand's Dan Hooker, surviving a brutal second round and uh, preserving to finish a well-rounded performance in the main event at UFC's a corporate gym in Las Vegas. Hooker fought the bout of his life, but it wasn't enough as he eyed a potential progression to a world title fight. In a gripping lightweight contest that had viewers marvelling at the intensity, Poirier got the decision over the brave Kiwi in the UFC main event yesterday. The judges scored at 48-47, 48-47 and 48-46 in Poirier's favour and about that went the distance over five five-minute rounds. Poirier was ranked the number three contender to hook his number five heading into the fight. The main event was a barn burner from the opening round with both lightweights trading wicked strikes and displaying minimal regard for defense. The second round was an absolute spectacle with each fighter badly hurting the other while throwing punches and knees at full power. The fight went to the ground in the fourth round with Poirier attempted several submissions before Hooker escaped. Poirier appeared to have more energy left for the fifth round and he won on all three cards. It was a tough one, Poirier said. Dan came to fight. He's a tough guy. He's on the rise. He really thought he was going to get past me. I trusted in my team and my skill and my work ethic. And other fights on the card, Mike Kerry also Perry also ended his two-fight skid with a one-sided unanimous decision over Mickey Gall in the penultimate fight of the evening. Heavyweight Morris Green stopped his uh, two-fight skid with an unorthodox submission of Guyan Villante, who was on uh, top of Green and apparently in control when Green wrapped an arm around his head, although Green 9-4 didn't have a traditional choke lock around Villante's neck. And exhausted, Villante was, was unable to move and tapped out with uh, one one minute and 16 seconds left in the fight. Japanese welterweight uh, Takashi Sato produced one of the most impressive stoppages of the night, beating late replacement opponent Jason Witt with a flurry of strikes in just 48 seconds. 48 seconds. Julian Erosa, another late replacement opponent, won his fight on five days' notice, which is impressive by forcing Sean Woodson to tap out with a choke midway through the third round. Erosa was dropped from the UFC roster last year, 
after three straight losses, but seized his last-minute chance to return. A string of five consecutive finishes began with began with the second fight of the night. Kay Hansen, a 20-year-old strawweight, making her UFC debut, beat Jinna Frey in the third round with an armbar finish, reminiscent of her hero, Ronda Rousey. And who could ever forget Ronda Rousey? Yeah, just a, a quick little update as well. Dan the Hangman Hooker, he's ended up in a hospital, but I, but I believe he's in uh, he's in a reasonable condition. But it was a very very brutal fight, Paul. That was seen around the world. So uh, that's UFC for today. The good thing, even though Hooker has lost that fight, I think he would have got a, won a lot of respect for his efforts in the ring. And I think if he had to fight uh, uh, Poirier again. I think he'll basically look at his tactics. He just really took too many hits to the head. Paul just too many, got in too close, actually had the reach advantage, but just took too many shots. And I think he should have really kept his distance, used a lot more kicks. And you could tell when he actually got tired, he actually started looking for, for takedowns. Unfortunately, when he was taking Poirier down, he kept getting a lot of punches on the ground. And I think... That's basically what it came down to at the end of the end of the day, Paul. He took out the first two rounds, but the next three rounds he just took so many strikes. I think the judges came up with the right decision. And had the decision gone the other way, it would have been a travesty. Yeah, it sounds like Nice paced himself a bit more through those opening rounds, went for the perhaps went went for the finish and uh, didn't pull it off, and then didn't have enough gas to finish the uh, finish the fight. Um, thank you very much, Stephen. Um, moving on now to um, motor. Well, first off, you are listening to New Zealand Sports Radio here this morning. Moving on to motorsports, and the supercars have signed a five-year deal um, with Sky Sports, uh, so they're going to be staying on the channel uh, for the foreseeable future. Uh, and obviously, the races will all be available to us over here in New Zealand. The um, over the weekend. We had three races um, for the uh, Scott McLaughlin um, took the out the first race um, in race seven. Uh, he got beaten in race eight to with Nick Perkat in the Dunlop Super Dealer Racing Holden. Um, so winning that one before Scott McLaughlin also won race nine in his Shell V powered uh, V power sorry racing team uh, Ford Mustang. And that uh, means that Scott McLaughlin is clear. Um, at the top of the table, ahead of uh, with with, with um, 574 points ahead of um, Jamie Wincup, who is 49 points behind, and then it's another and then it's uh, 142 points um, behind is Chaz Mostert. And those are your top three um, there uh, in the uh, drivers' championship. So Scott um, looking very good for another title um, in that. You have now started the day the best way, updated with all the important sports news here on um, New Zealand Sports Radio. Don't forget, you can listen to us on the move, download the podcast on iHeartRadio, um, iTunes, Acast, Spotify, all your favourite podcatchers. Um, have a wonderful day today, everyone. Um, I'll be back at 2, uh, 2 p.m. today with a long talk interview. And then we'll be back this evening at 8 p.m. with um, the Driving Mall Show. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 